Good morning. How are you? Good to see you uh, here this morning in the service. Um, it is live in our living room again, as you can tell. And so this is, we're nearing the end of our People Jesus Met series. Um, so thank you for, for joining us uh, for that. We have Brendan uh, this Sunday and Steve Keating will finish out the series next Sunday. So we're really looking forward to that. Um, as I was thinking about the service, um, every time you see me on a camera, you will notice that I am holding something. Every time you see me, I am holding this in my hand. And the reason I am holding this in my hand is really because I, Shane Dean, never have anything really good to say myself. Um, that is my job. My job is to hold this before people because I believe this word can change your life. My words can do nothing. My words can say nothing. But this word can change your life. And I have, I have found that to be the case in my own life. This word is an absolute delight to me. That is why I hold it out before people all the time, because it is an absolute delight to me. His word is to be our delight. And in Psalm 119, this is what the psalmist says. He repeats over and over again that this word is his delight. Listen to what he says. In the way of your testimonies, I delight. As much as in all riches, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Do you hear what he says? I delight in your testimonies. I delight in your word more than all of the riches in the world. You could give me all the riches in the world, the psalmist says, but if I don't have this word, I will not be delighting. This word is our delight. And so we always want to have this. You will always see me with this in front of me. Why? Because I have nothing good to say except for what is in here. Because what is in here tells us about our Savior. And so I hope my prayer this morning is, as we go through his word together, that you might see this word as beautiful and wonderful, and that you might delight in it, because in this word, you see the Savior. And so the psalmist prays, and this is what my prayer is going to be for us this morning. He prays this, open my eyes, Lord, that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things this morning, Lord. And again, let me say to you, uh, welcome to the service. Let us delight in his word. Please share that you're here with us, that you're watching. There's some that are watching right now on Facebook, some that are watching on YouTube. We have the comments open live to all of you. So please say hi to one another. You'll be able to see the comments there. Um, and then that will provide for our discussion and reflections and questions afterwards. So please, as we're, as we're, um, listening to the word, if there's a question or a verse or some thought that comes to your mind, please share that out with us. And so again, the service looks very similar, like, like it always, uh, does. Um, first, we will start off with a reading. Steve Keating will be doing the reading uh, for us this morning. Then we will have Jesus, Friend of Sinners, a wonderful song. And then Brendan is going to give us part three in the series, People Jesus Met. So I'll turn over to Steve Keating uh, for the reading this morning. Reading from this morning is from Luke fourteen twenty-five to 33. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation, it is not able to finish. All who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate 
whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. morning everyone it's great to be here again this morning i'm just continuing just finishing this morning on that series people jesus met and there is nothing more important than meeting with the people whom jesus met because really jesus was all about people particularly their eternal security and in the first message i talked about a man who was concerned only for his physical well-being but for the second man He was a man of great faith, and he came to Jesus asking not for help for himself, but for one of his servants. This morning, we're going to be reading from Mark chapter 10 and verse 17, and it tells the story of a man who came to Jesus because he earnestly desired, what do I have to do to be right with God? So let's read from Mark chapter 10, verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honour your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he declared. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, 
how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. And may the Lord bless the reading and the study of his word as we spend just a little while together around it. Let's pray and ask God's blessing to that effect. Gracious God, I thank you for this most precious of all gifts that we have on this earth, the very word of God. It is God speaking to us, uh, directing to our hearts the, the challenges and the blessings that are ours, particularly concerning our eternal security. Help us as we spend time looking at this man this morning, Lord God, to understand what each of us needs to do to be right with God, to have peace and eternal life. Lord, bless it to us now. Amen. And so we look at this man. Um, early in Jesus' ministry, people had become amazed at his teaching. Uh, they said no one spoke with so much authority as he did. Um, he fully understood the scriptures, it seemed. But not only did he have authority to teach, he also had authority to heal. And that was amazing. And so the last couple of weeks, we, we saw Jesus doing just that. But Jesus has more than just authority. He is Lord of heaven and earth. He also has the power. And there is a subtle difference between having the authority to do something and the power to do it. For example, you could um, see a situation such as a, a guard who is a policeman who who's, he sees some thieves breaking into a house. There are four or five of them. He's on his own. Now, he has the authority to say, stop, you must cease that immediately. That authority has been given to him by the state. But because he's on his own, and there are four or five of them, he doesn't really have the power to stop them. They would easily defeat him. So there is a difference between power and authority. However, Jesus has both power and authority, both to heal, but also to teach people, to teach them the most important thing of all is how to be right with God. But Jesus never commands people and says, you, you must follow me by force. No, instead he challenges people to follow him. And so for each one of us, we have to make a choice to either follow Jesus or not to follow him. And it's up to you and up to me. And we'll see in his ministry today and throughout the Gospels that he calls everyone to follow him. But one day we know every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. <clears throat> But once again, we, we see here, he gives one very, very simple command. The last few weeks, we've noticed just one command was all Jesus gave. Well, if you'd asked this man, did he love God? He would have said, surely, yes, I do. After all, when when probed about keeping God's commands, the, the, the command Jesus gave, gave is, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So the man would have said, well, I've looked at all the commandments and I've kept them and but the Lord Jesus knows our hearts. He knows our minds. He knows what's in here, where you and I can fool each other, but you cannot fool Jesus. God still probes our hearts. Um, and the Holy Spirit, when we read his word, and that's why I encourage you, don't just listen to what I say if, if you're not familiar with the scriptures. Read it for yourself. Read it and ask, Lord God, please speak to me through this word. Because the book of Hebrews says, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any Two-edged sword, it penetrates to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It penetrates even to dividing the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. And that's why I encourage you, read the scriptures and allow them to penetrate, to challenge you as to what God says. Well, let's look at this man. He was the ideal candidate to, to come to Jesus. Um, he was interested in Jesus for one reason. He didn't come healing, looking for healing, as other men did. He didn't come looking for any advice, didn't come looking <clears throat> like 5,000, <clears throat> excuse me, to be fed. He came with one desire only. What must I do to be saved? And really, that was why Jesus came, to teach people the kingdom of God and how to be saved, to die for their sins. He was a man actively seeking peace with God. And he wasn't asking Jesus for anything else. No other request. What must I do to be saved? 
tell me if I'm on the right path because I'm just not sure. I'm behaving as best I can. My priorities are right, surely. Am I right with God? And when you look at him, you read what little we know, it's just a few sentences, but you get the impression that he was a very, very genuine seeker. Um, and you'd say, this is great. I will teach him about God. If you knew the way to heaven yourself, you'd say, perfect candidate. He was genuine. And make no mistake, this was near the end of Jesus' ministry. And this man had heard enough about him to say that Jesus had the answer. I know how I can find peace with God. Just as last week, the, the centurion thought, great, I can get Jesus to heal my servant. But he had the difficulty of being a Gentile. But Jesus still healed with just a word. Equally, this man must have thought, Jesus is the man who has the answer. He can solve my problem. And in his eyes, he would have looked at his own life and thought, well, I'm a good man. I do my best. Um, He was humble. He was earnest. None of us could find fault with him, really. He always kept his religious duties. He kept all the laws of God. And if you read through those, you see, basically, he was keeping the Ten Commandments to the very best of his ability. Um, And he would have people who probably came from a a wealthy family. He was a wealthy young man. Um, He probably didn't earn his wealth as a young man, not like entrepreneurs now who can make it rich very quickly. This would have been wealth that was generated over the generations. He was inheriting it. And he also wanted to inherit the kingdom of God. He said that. But this good family man, well respected in the community, no one could find fault in him. And by the standards of those around him, he would have said, well, you look around and I do not behave badly. What do you think, Jesus? I'm not bad compared to others. Look at the rest of the world and you'll surely agree I'm far better than most. So I should be okay with God, shouldn't I? I should be right with him. Adultery, murder, stealing, gossip, dishonesty, respect for parents. I've kept God's laws. I can thought them. They're good. And it's, it's good for my family, for everything. God's ways are good. I'm willing to obey him. I don't want to indulge in sin. I just want to obey Jesus, obey God and follow his ways. Well, let's compare what he's doing to some time back earlier this year. A girl gave me, gave me a buzz and said, I've ordered a new bicycle, ordered it online. It should be delivered over the next few days and it'll come in a box, but I need someone to help me assemble it. And I said, no problem. I enjoy doing things with my hands. I'll help you. So in due course, the box arrived, the bike came, there was the frame, there were the wheels, the the handlebars, the forks, the the saddle, everything came. So I got the spanner and within an hour, we had the bike ready to go. It was fully assembled. It was a self-assembly kit. I had assembled it all on my own with nobody else to help. And in a sense, self-assembly is a reflection of what this man was doing. He was looking to self, self-justify himself in God's eyes. He was going to God and saying, look, I've lived a good life. I've read your laws. I've kept them. They're good laws, and I want to obey them. And I don't need anybody else to help me. I am a righteous man. Wouldn't you agree, Lord Jesus? The trouble was his righteousness was generated by himself, and it would have to be called self-righteousness, just like the self-assembly bicycle. He had done it himself. He hadn't asked for help from anyone else. That's the only way to describe his attempts to be right with God. And if we were to ask him, what is your righteousness based on? He would say, well, it's the things I've done. It's the life I've lived. That's not to insult people or or anything, but it's just the way it is. I am, yes, you could say self-righteous. Now, for you and me, we'd say, well, a self-righteous person is arrogant. They're looking down on others. This man was not doing that. But essentially, he was being self-righteous, going before God and saying, I am good. He, He wasn't being arrogant, but he was being self-righteous. And he was saying to God, I am good, therefore I expect you to let me into heaven. I'm a good Jew, I keep all the rules, don't you think I'll be all right? Or in our day, we'd say, well, I'm a good Christian. I was, well, look, growing up, I was an altar boy. I give to charity now, I'm hardworking, I look after my family, I respect my parents, I'm good in the community. I go to church, do all the, all the right things. I don't do any harm, and my rule in life is I can't do anyone any good. I certainly won't do them any harm. Surely God is pleased with that. 
but it's dangerous to think that. And, and here's why. At the very start, when Jesus replied to the man, he had said to Jesus, good teacher, and, and Jesus immediately interrupted him and said, why do you call me good? There's only one who is good. Jesus was saying the standard for goodness is God's standard, and that is perfection. There is no level of being good, good, good. It is perfection. Jesus said only God is good. From God's perspective, there is no limit. And in his eyes, he, he was coming to Jesus saying, good teacher, and he was commending Jesus. But really, he was trying to say, I'm good too. You and me, we're, we're sort of on a par. You're, you're more knowledgeable. But I want to be your disciple. I want to be good like you and, and be right with God. Jesus immediately redefined what being good is, and it totally took away the foundation for the man's righteousness. And perhaps Jesus spoke with the man, and he would have known the Old Testament, and because it's always good to keep in mind that we have what we have in the Bible is just a few brief sentences of conversations that perhaps went on for minutes or even hours. And so the few words that we have here, but Jesus possibly would have said to him, remember in the book of Isaiah, when God is challenging the people, he said, all your good deeds are like filthy rags in my sight. They are filthy. They are no good. And that was the best that they could offer. And yet the man was doing his very, very best. We can offer nothing to God. And this man was coming to Jesus. His heart's cry was, what must I do to be right with God? And it could even be said that he was desperate in his longing for God. And elsewhere it says, he, at the start of it, he threw himself on his knees in front of Jesus. He, he threw himself down and pleaded with Jesus. I want peace with God. He was genuine, really very earnest in looking for peace with God. And I've no doubt there are many people in this world who are so genuine, people who are the salt of the earth, always helping others, doing their best, trying to be religious or even just trying to be good. And if only God would reveal himself, they, they could be right with God and know for sure, I am right, I've got peace with God. And here was this man's opportunity. He came to Jesus, this Jesus, he had the answer. If only God would reveal himself to him, here was his chance. Opportunity knocked. Jesus would tell him his heart's desire. Jesus would have the answer and it would come straight to him. And Jesus would tell him what he needed to know. Well, Jesus did tell him what he needed to know. But Jesus told him what he didn't want to hear. And that was the difference. There is a big difference between knowing what is right and doing what is right. Because this man's genuineness isn't enough. A person can be earnest in seeking God, but he must do something about it. He must heed what Jesus says. And the sad thing was this man had taken the first step in, in approaching Jesus, approaching guidance from God himself. Jesus is God, but he wasn't willing to do what Jesus said. He wasn't ready for the answer he got, because being genuine is not good enough. You must be willing to act, to obey what, what God says. And it's not easy. In some respects, it's the easiest thing in the world. But as we'll see, for each one of us, there is a price to pay in following Jesus. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. Every one of us has something, some difficulty in our life. And Jesus, on another occasion, said, if, if anyone... If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away, because it will take you into hell. And he was warning people, it's better to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell. And he warned that in, in Matthew chapter 5, before you come to Jesus, wanting the answer to what's right and wrong, make sure that you're ready to pay the, pay the price that Jesus demands of us. Make sure that you're ready for the answer. It may be too costly. But the alternative is even more costly because it's, it's eternal separation from God. And don't think that God will be pleased with you just because you're a good person or you're genuine, that you deserve to go to heaven, you feel. You are being self-righteous if you're going in your own goodness. And that's a, a sad reflection on all of our hearts because that's how each one of us thinks we'd be right with God. We think, I'm good, God will be pleased with me. Being genuine and honest is fooling ourselves 
goodness isn't enough as this man found. He needed something more, something very radical and life-changing. And Jesus was saying to him, I know you're a good man by man's standards. In fact, there's only one standard of being good, God. And all your good works, all your religion, all your efforts to be right with God, they are a failure. And that's a, a dreadful warning to us as well that each one of us, in our very best efforts, we are not good enough to be right with God. And Jesus was saying to him, you stand lost as you are today. You are not right with God. God is perfect and you are not. And you never can be on your own ability ever. You are genuine, yes, but your genuineness is deceiving you. And on the surface, it would seem that money was this man's greatest problem because everything about his life was good. He wasn't a great sinner. He was a very good man morally and, and in a community sense. And just a few talks, you'd say, on money. And yeah, he'd be right then. He'd be fine as long as he gets that sorted. But it wasn't. It wasn't money was the problem. It was his heart. And for every one of us, at heart, it is our heart is the problem. He wanted to follow Jesus, but he also wanted to keep what was most precious to him. Jesus knows our hearts. He knew the heart of this man, and he knows our hearts. And in the Old Testament, the man, if he had known his Bible truly, if he had been seeking God, he would have known in, in the book of Samuel, it says, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And in, in the Jeremiah, Jeremiah the prophet said, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. It is deceitful and it does deceive us. And every one of us, we are all deceiving ourselves. We're all fooling ourselves if we think we're good. It, it was money in this man's case. But equally, it could have been something else. It might not have been money. It could have been, for him, yet yeah, money. But it could be love that I have a, a girlfriend or a boyfriend. And I'm not willing to give that one up. No, this one is too precious to me. I, I love her. She's the most wonderful girl in the world or the guy I marry. I want him. Yeah, I, I know he doesn't follow God. But I think God will understand. God will win him over. Yeah, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out, throw it away. And, and that's the demand that Jesus makes. Take up your cross and follow me. It could be equally, it could be your family that Jesus calls you to, to live a radical life for him. And it is costly to follow Jesus. Because if your family do not follow the Lord Jesus, if they scoff and sneer at him, and you say to them, I'm going to follow Jesus. They will scoff and sneer at you. It costs you to follow Jesus. And your family may look down on you. Your friends may look down on you. The, the people you grew up with may look down on you for following Jesus. It could be the admiration of your fellow men. I remember one time, got to know this man. He was, uh, was hardworking. He was, he was doing really well in work. And his career was so important to him. But he knew when he met he made, met the gospel, started reading the scriptures, and people were telling him, you need to surrender your life to Jesus. And he began to think about it, and he thought, if I give my life to Jesus, they're going to sneer at me at work. They're going to look down on me. They're going to laugh at me. And he went along for a few months, going to church and following Jesus, reading his Bible and his wife, and he were very happy. And then he began to realize, it's going to cost me my career because people will look down on me. I'll be sneered at. And in the end, he gave up following Jesus. And the sad thing was, he wasn't a bad man. He wasn't living a particularly sinful life. But he was not willing to pay the price of following Jesus. And you may say to yourself, I, I don't want to have to pay that price. Jesus says, it will cost you to follow me. You may say, I have pride. Surely you don't expect me to, to give up everything for you, Jesus. Surely you don't want me to be despised by other people. Laughed at. And yet Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Your ambition, your career, everything has to come second to Jesus. Some people, it, it could even be their religion. Because in, in Jesus' day, those who were his greatest opponents were not the sinners, the outcasts of society, the 
the evil people. It was actually the religious people because they could see, yes, Jesus was obeying the law. He was keeping the law. But they had their traditions and they would not allow their traditions to be put to one side to follow Jesus. And equally for us, we can have our, our upbringing, our religion, our, our faith, whatever it is. But Jesus says, that has to come second to me. Jesus isn't asking for religion. He is asking for simply a simple faith in him. Trust him with all your heart and soul. Whether you're Catholic or Protestant is not what God is interested in. It is whether you follow the Lord Jesus Christ. His, his teachings are what you follow, not the teachings of a church or a denomination or anything. It is all about Jesus. It could be selfishness. It, it could be the unwillingness to let go of sin in our lives, whether it, it's pornography or sex, whether it's drink or drugs, whether it is just laziness and selfishness. There are sins that we are often unwilling to let go of. There are things in our lives that we say, I don't want to part with these things. It could even be something legitimate like sport or other entertainment that you say, but it means so much to me. Jesus says, no, I have to be the most important thing in your life. Sport, entertainment, the things you watch, that has to come second. I am Lord. And, and Jesus demands that he would come first in his life. And we have to say, am I willing to pay the price? Because each one of us does have our own God and the things that we struggle to let go of. Jesus says, I want to be Lord and Master. And you can say, but I want to be Lord of my own life. I do believe Jesus. I trust him for everything. But I don't want to let go of my whole life. I don't want to hand over everything to Jesus. Jesus says, follow me. Just as the disciples very first day he called them, they, they left their nets and they followed him. And you can say yes or no to Jesus. I will or I will not follow him. People will laugh at you. They will sneer at you. This young man realized there was a great price to pay in following Jesus. And yet nothing and nobody is to come before him. He is Lord. And one day every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all creation. He is their Lord. But it's now Jesus demands that you do it. Follow him now. And I'll finish with, with a, an illustration. Maybe it's something you've heard before. It's very, very simple. But it's the story of how the natives used to capture monkeys long ago, 50, 60 years ago or more in colonial times. And they used to catch these small monkeys. And the way they did it was they got a coconut. They emptied out the coconut and drilled just a small hole, just that size where a monkey could put its, its hand in, its, by, by scrunching its hand, it could get its, get its hand in, and they put little nuts or other goodies in there. And the monkey would put its hand in, grab the nuts, and then try to draw its hand out. But it couldn't with a closed fist, because with a closed fist it was too swollen, it could not, and it wouldn't let go of those goodies. It would not let go. It would bang this coconut, which was tied to a tree or something, and it would bang and, and, and try to do anything, but it wouldn't let go of the nuts. It couldn't get away. It was trapped by its hand inside that, tied to a tree, and it couldn't escape. And all it needed to do to let go, to, to be free, was to let go of those goodies. It wouldn't do it. And equally, there are things in our lives that the Lord Jesus demands, let go. Let go and follow me. Let go of everything. If you want to be free of your sin, if you want to be right with God, let go of those things that captivate you. I must be first in your life. May the Lord bless his word to us this morning. May the Lord bless us all as we, I hope, read his word every day just a little bit. It is precious above anything this world can offer. Thanks for listening. May God bless you in the week ahead. Just to rest upon His promise, just to rest.
Sorry again. Apologies. I forgot about the mic. <laughs> uh, I had a I had us on mute, so that's my fault. Uh, wonderful to be back again um, this morning, and uh, wonderful to hear uh, this message from the Word of God. Um, amazing. As as I was thinking through God's Word, a couple of things struck me this morning, and I'll give you this time um, as I just share uh, some of the things that struck me. I'll give you this time. Maybe there's a verse. That has come to mind for you um, after Brendan sharing or something you would like to say or pray about or maybe just to share appreciation uh, for what's going on as well. You can comment right now on, on YouTube and on Facebook as well, and I'll see both of those comments and we'll be able to pull them up as well on the screen. So so please do uh, take this time to leave uh, those comments. As I was thinking about uh, Brendan's uh, sermon this morning, uh, just reminding us of this man trying to do so well to get his way into heaven. And the man um, essentially asked uh, that question, didn't he, in, in Mark 10. Um, in Mark 10, he said, um, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
And he, he thought he had it all together. He, like Brendan was saying, it was kind of this self-assembly job. What must I do? And the whole point about the Christian message is it is, a, it is not about what I do. It is all about what Jesus has done. It's not about me. It's all about him. And so I was reminded, you know, as Brendan was sharing, I was reminded of these verses in Titus. It says this, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. It was God in his loving kindness and mercy. He saved us. We didn't save ourselves. How can I get eternal life? Only through him. It is never, ever about what you do. And so that was so wonderfully clear and brought out so so wonderfully well uh, for us today. So let's look at a, a couple of um, comments and say hello to a few people. And please do uh, take the time either on Facebook or YouTube to uh, leave those uh, with us. Steve Keating, good morning, church. Happy Lord's Day, he writes. Um, great. Thank you, Steve, for sorting all this out. I have all of your comments all on one screen. Um, so I have the YouTube and Facebook comments all on one screen, and that's because, not because I'm in any way technical, but because Steve has been working hard in the background, and so just wonderful um, to have people like that that you can lean on when I don't have a clue how to do any of this stuff, so great. Um, Nick O'Connell, congratulations, Nick. Um, you are the first um, proper YouTube comment. I know the Facebook comments are transferring over to YouTube, but you are a first YouTube comment, so you have made history, my friend. Um, so Valerie Keating was close behind, of course. Um, then we have uh, Soraya. Good morning, Soraya. Great to have you uh, with us. Um, and then the Dean family. Good morning to all the Dean household. It was just wonderful, again, um, for me to sit with my family in worship uh, this morning and have all of us um, there with with our Bibles, listening to the Word of God. How wonderful it is to just gather as a family. When we can't gather as a family of, of uh, in the church, we long for that day. We are waiting for that day. We're hoping for that day. But it was just wonderful to at least have the family uh, to gather in with as well. The Duans uh, with us again this morning. Hello to you. Hello, uh, Mateo. Hope you're doing well. Uh, good little boy. And uh, Karen as well, watching it on YouTube. Great to have you, Karen. Um, and Jeddah and all the family. Hello, guys. Good to see you. Or good to have you, not see you. Uh, Jamie, good morning to you. Glad you could join on YouTube. Great to have you. And Dad and Bridge. Good to have you, Bridge. Thanks for joining on um, Facebook. Steve Keating uh, writes um, from Galatians 5.1. Says this. Christ has set us free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Yes, we have been set free uh, from this yoke of slavery. And when you look at the letter to the Galatians, now Paul is Paul is kind of rebuking them in, in some way. In, in all of Paul's letters, usually Paul starts off very nice and polite and, um, you know, with, uh, with, these, with, with these thanksgivings and, and nice greetings. And so when you get to Galatians, he kind of um, starts off uh, quite differently. He doesn't have the thanksgiving. He just says this, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who has called you in the grace of Christ. So instead of the thanksgiving, instead of the prayers, what he's saying to them is, I'm astonished you're, you're turning away again. And the problem was they were turning away to good works. 
they were turning away to uh, this message from the circumcision group who were saying, you have to do all these things in order to be saved. And so this is why Paul is coming up and saying, no, Christ has set you free. It is not about what you do. It is all about what Christ has done. And so this is such a wonderful thought. And it's so interesting for us as people, and we are so concerned, aren't we, with what people think about us. We're so concerned with what the community might think about us. So what we try and do in our works is we try and keep up appearances. And this is what he talks about in, in Galatians 1.10. He says, for, for am I now seeking the approval of man, Paul is talking himself, or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So Paul, when he's talking, he's saying, I don't care about pleasing man. I want to please Christ. And if I'm concerned about pleasing man more than I am about pleasing Christ, then I must not be a servant of Christ. It is all about Jesus. We're not trying to earn our way into heaven. We're not trying to um, please other people by our good deeds. It is all about Jesus. And that's Paul's point. Andrew says, um, we do let go of things and choose Jesus, but we also pick those up again. How we long for perfection when sin completely ceases. Yeah, and that's it. I mean, as we as we've been talking about in repentance in our gospel series in relation to this, um, there is a one time repentance like Andrew is talking about. There is this one time repentance of these things that we do. I repent of my sin. I trust in you. But the Christian life is a continual repentance. And it has to be. Why? Because we continually sin. Oh, you have woken up this morning. We are, we are a few, few hours into since we have woken up. And, and I know that your morning has still been consumed with sin. It, it captivates us. It takes us. It creeps back into our lives. It knocks on the door of our hearts. And yet, the mercy and grace of God is this. If we come to him in true repentance, he will forgive us. And we long for that day, like Andrew said, when there will be no more sin. Oh, how I long for that day where um, the foolish things that Shane Dean does will be all over. I long for that day. I'm sure you do too. Uh, John Dean, dad writes, Thanks, Andrew and Abby, for your singing, which adds to the service. Yeah, um, thank you again. I'm glad people uh, continue to say that because it does take quite a bit of work to put all those pieces together. First get the song, then then get one person recorded, get the other person recorded, match them in together and put it up. Um, it's, it's a lot of work and get the words at the same time. But what a service it is for us. So thank you again. And I will keep saying that there's not enough times um, that we can say that together. Um, Karen writes, with man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible with God. And so um, that is one of the, the key phrases that Brandon pointed out, right? Um, um, in Mark 10. Mark 10. Just at the end, um, they ask, then how can you be saved? Who can be saved? With man, it is impossible. But with God, for all things are possible with God. And so we realize that all things are possible with God, even salvation. So you might be thinking this morning, there is no way I am getting into heaven. There is no way. If God were to see me for who I truly am, there's no way I'm getting in. Well, this is such a comfort to us. All things are possible with God. He can save you from the depths of your sin. And all you need do, um, Romans 10 tells us, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord 
will be saved. Your salvation is not impossible with God. God can save anyone. Um, so thank you for Karen for that. Morning to Claire. Um, morning to the uh, Maro and Eliana. Great to have you guys uh, there with us. Good that you guys are able to say good morning to each other. Do do that like Soraya is doing, saying hi uh, to mom and dad. Uh, reply to each other, say hello to each other. Um, it's wonderful to have that community. Veronica, um, great to have you here with us this morning, Veronica. All the way from Luxembourg, I believe it is. So afternoon for you. Um, so wonderful to have you, Veronica. So thanks for, for joining in. Uh, Alan and Jackie, great to see you here. Um, obviously you're tuning in uh, from YouTube, so good to have you, Alan and Jackie. Uh, wonderful uh, that you could um, uh, be with us. And then Claire, uh, let me leave the final comment uh, with Claire um, from Matthew 16:24. Uh, it writes, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. As Brendan was pointing out, if you are going to follow Jesus, it is going to cost you. Following after Jesus is going to cost you. We must deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. And so there is a price uh, to pay if we are going to follow after Jesus. So I'd like to thank you um, for taking this time in the service with us this morning. Wonderful uh, to worship with you. Uh, as I was thinking about the readings um, from Spurgeon this morning, and if you haven't, if you haven't listened in or uh, tuned into that yet this morning, I would urge you to, to look at this one uh, from this morning. Spurgeon, before I talk, uh, before I pray, Spurgeon was talking about prayer. And he said this, um, or he was alluding to this fact. Um, oftentimes we pray to the Lord only when things go terribly wrong. And then when things are going well, we ignore our prayer to the Lord. Except what Spurgeon pointed out is, even when we come to him in our feeble prayers, on our schedule, the Lord always graciously listens to all of our prayers. It is unbelievable the mercy and grace of God that He would listen to each one of our prayers. He's not, he's not coming to us saying when we pray to Him, He's not coming to us saying to us, um, oh, you're only coming to me because you're in trouble now. Believer, you're only coming to me because you're in trouble now, so I'm not, I'm not going to deal with you. No. Every time we come to Him in prayer, as feeble as it may be, and as selfish as it may be, he still hears the believer through Jesus Christ, and he delights to hear us pray to him. And so I commend that reading to you this morning. It was so rich for my soul, and I hope it will be to you as well. So let, let us close our time in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you hear our prayers. You hear me right now when I talk to you. How feeble it is. And yet I can come through Jesus in confidence and boldness and assurance that you do hear my prayer. Lord, we thank you that all things are possible with you. Lord, we pray that you would forgive us for those times when we think it is all about what we do and not about what you have done. Lord, there are many times even as Christians when we're trying to work our way into pleasing you. May we be reminded that we need not do any work for the work is done in you. All we need do, the only work we need do is believe and trust in you this morning. Thank you for that good news. Thank you for the message from Brendan this morning. Thank you for the faithful servant he's been over these last three Sundays. And I pray that your word um, would resound in our heart through this day. 
In your precious and wonderful name, I pray these things. Amen. So wonderful to have you again. And next week, we'll have uh, Steve Keating um, sharing with us the final message in people Jesus met. And so please keep Steve in prayer during this week. I hope you have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you. See you later.